1: It's been 30 years since the first episode of Beverly Hills 90210, 30 years since we walked the halls of West Beverly High, and since we all hung out at the Peach Pit. Relive it all with Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling on their new podcast, 90210
0: omg We get to tell the fans all of the behind-the-scenes stories that actually happened.
1: Join them as they re-watch every episode of the beloved 90s TV show from the very beginning. Listen to 90210 omg on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew. This is our game-by-game show. It's obviously going to be uh, a little bit different this week as we have two three-game slates on FanDuel and DraftKings. So what we're going to do is game-by-game, but then we'll talk about them in the context of the slates that we are running through. So obviously we're going to do Saturday first. Then we are going to do Sunday. Uh, Colin, injury news that we are monitoring right now. You know, we don't... Uh, we don't know for sure. Uh, we have Cole Beasley that we are monitoring for the Buffalo bills. I actually just moved him out right before this, but I I mean, if he's at, you know, if he's at practice on Friday, I will probably move him back in. We are monitoring the quarterback situation for the Los Angeles Rams right now. We have John Walford projected in, um, and as a result of that, the Rams offense is not projecting here as well. You know, we have Walford for a much less uh, much less effective passing game than we would with Goffin. And then for Tampa Bay, we are monitoring um, Mike Evans and his knee injury, though he, he is now listed as a game-time decision. We're not going to know probably uh, until – I would imagine ninety minutes before kickoff on him, unless we get a good report from our guy Adam Schefter on Saturday morning. And then uh, we also are monitoring the starting quarterback situation for the Washington Football Team because the most recent report there in your neck yeah. of the woods, Colin, is that uh, Heineke and Smith might even be splitting some reps.
0: Yeah, man, a lot going on, and that's not even talking about COVID, right? Like you have Cuttleral Hodge who will be out with COVID, but the Browns have the mini outbreak there, so. Got to pay attention to that stuff through the weekend and then um it seems likely that camaro will probably be good to go but he's definitely not going to be activated until sunday so you're not really going to know what the situation with him is either won't be practicing at all before the game so a lot going on and we got six game slates on on both sides as well so there are some six game slates out there which is a pretty nice size
1: uh yeah um i mean you know the six game slate that's the that's the dream right we, that's, that's what we that's what we want. We never get it, so you know. Well, there's
0: some what, there's some decent prizes. Like you can win 20k on the six gamers. So um, I'll fire some teams. The, at both what's the what's
1: the what's the six game spy? Can I win? Can I win? Do they have a hundred dollars single entry for that? Uh, yeah, I'll pull it up
0: right now. I, I did look earlier in the week, and the three max stuff was down, but they had a pretty good mme one, and then um, they had a good single entry for that as well. I believe it is. Fifty dollar price point. They got thirty k there. Hundred dollar price point with fifty k in total prizes.
1: All right. Well, hey, maybe I will. Maybe I will. I can win three. I can win three k. I can win five k at first in these. Maybe I will yeah. be playing these. And there won't be. Uh, you know, there's not going to be near as much content for those slates either. So you always love to see. Um, you know that little that little bit of edge. So our first game that we have on Saturday, Indianapolis at Buffalo. Uh, to me I mean I think the the biggest question for this is what happens if Indianapolis is down 10 points do they just keep trying to ride Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor going to get 20 carries here regardless of the scoreline you know kind of a la Derrick Henry or do they flip the switch is it Naheem Hines are they chucking the ball deep and and to be honest I don't really have I, I do not know the answer to this question
0: yeah I, I think that if it's like 10 they would probably continue to ride jonathan taylor a good bit but if it's 10 late in the fourth it's definitely gonna be a lot of naheem hines and if it gets more out of hand than that which i mean the bill's offense has been extremely good this year one of the best in the nfl then then i do think it becomes naheem hines so um both those guys i think have you know a wider range of outcomes this week i know it's you know it's a short slate right so taylor's one of the best running back plays but i can see scenarios to him being obviously less effective than he has been the past couple weeks
1: yeah. Um, and then for for Saturday, MME strategy, uh, I, I'm going to do 150 and I will be doing 150 Josh Allen teams. Uh, I, I think Tom Brady is obviously um, lower owned, more leverage, yada, yada. I, I do not care. Josh Allen, to me, is going to be the highest scoring player of this slate so often that uh, I just I feel I feel pretty, pretty confident about him being just clearly the best play here.
0: I think that makes sense. Um, I usually don't jam quarterback like that. Um, but I I mean, I understand where you're going with and I think, yeah, it definitely makes sense. The top two pretty clearly going to be Brady going to be Josh Allen. It's hard. It's definitely harder to see scenarios where Josh Allen fails than it is Brady. Um, yeah, you, you need a pretty big ceiling performance. So I'd definitely be looking at double stack Tom Brady if it was going down that way. I think for the Bills, the hardest thing is trying to figure out, you know, Cole Beasley, if he does play. And then what do the three wide receiver sets look like? If Beasley plays, is Brown gonna play ahead of Gabriel Davis behind Gabriel Davis? Will they split that role pretty evenly? It'll be Brown's second game back with the team um, after playing for them in week 17.
1: My my presumption would be Brown should be good to go, and Gabriel Davis will be the rotational fourth wide receiver. So you know he he backs up all three spots and when they, they they actually play the most 10 personnel so zero tight end stuff of any team in the NFL so Davis still is likely playable um I think and, it's a good play yeah I mean I don't know I so good to like play. one of
0: the few on the three game slate he'll be one of the few guys that's like five percent owned in that, that has you can, ceiling that you can tie to Josh Allen as a stack
1: yeah and I mean, Dawson Knox has his um, targets per route run and everything has moved up a fair amount over the second half of the season be, because Cole Beasley got dinged up because John Brown got dinged up. Like there were direct reasons, but, you know, obviously tight end on a three game slate it's like always going to be the worst position to try and figure out. And, um, you know, tying Dawson Knox to Josh Allen, it's not like the, the worst thing ever. Do you have interest in either of the Bills running backs? A
0: little bit just because I think especially the Saturday three game slate, it wouldn't be out of the question for a total bills onslaught to, to rise to the top. And you had that Rams Seahawks game, which could for sure fail and overall just, and then if Tampa Bay is productive through the passing game, but not the rushing game, or they're limited at all by the football team defense, then I wouldn't be surprised to see not a ton of fantasy points generated in that game either. So I could see an onslaught where you're double sacking Josh Allen and you're playing Zach Moss or something like that. And hoping that the bills put up, you know, maybe more than the 30 points they're expected to put up. So um, we've seen that in short slates earlier this year already with some onslaughts, taking it down bills onslaught against San Francisco. So uh, I definitely think in MME, you have to consider that probably max four, I, I guess bills would be probably where I'd think about things.
1: Yeah, I think that sounds about right. How hard would you be trying to correlate Josh Allen? Like, are you doing like Min One, uh, Hines, Hilton, Pittman, Mo Alley Cox or or Trey Burton in lineups or like cause obviously I think on three game slates correlation pretty, pretty important. You know, if one of these games goes to overtime, if one of these games is really competitive, you know, we forty-five uh, forty-eight type game, like you'll need pieces from from both sides, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, I think I'd, I'd boost those. Like I'd boost the passing game. Not necessarily going to force it because pricing is always an issue on these slates. And I do think Buffalo is more successful to getting got through the rushing game than they are through the passing game. But there are a couple of those pieces. And like Naheem Hines is a, a bring-back option. If, if people are going to go to Taylor, I think is um, yeah would be included as a pass catcher in that group rather than treating him like a running back. And I think you also have to consider opening up your number of players you're playing versus your defense on these small slates um so that's another thing to consider uh
1: yeah i mean i would i would um probably i i just i just remove it entirely in these slates like i i just want it to be basically random um but you know i it's not it's not something that i'm like oh well maybe you want to play uh the the bill's defense against philip rivers because that would imply you know he throws a pick six or anything like i don't think it's that deep maybe it is you know maybe maybe there are our gal dudes out there who have a better no, way fair. of formulating that stuff than me but i i basically kind of just just let it rip um all right so anything else on indianapolis to buffalo my my guess is that this is probably the best dfs game of the weekend um so you know obviously pretty interested in in a lot of the the gamer like for saturday
0: for sure but i think sunday's got some great games so um yeah
1: yeah. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and move on to the. Uh, this is this is the game no one wants to watch. The Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. We have the Seahawks in full boomer establish it mode. We have the Rams using John Walford. One of the things we were talking about this on the cast yesterday, like, is Walford the gal brain Saturday slate play where like he could run for eighty yards and run for a touchdown and like grind out twenty and that would allow you to play, you know, Diggs Godwin. A B Jonathan Taylor and all those guys together in the same lineup. I mean, maybe, like, you know, what do I know? I, I think that, and the, the fact that Cup is playing in this game and those, you know, 12 targets are going to go to Cooper Cup instead of the Van Jefferson-Josh Reynolds combo, I think should make him a little bit more effective. I, I think the problem is both of these coaches just want to run the air out of the ball in this game. I think that's going to end up being the biggest problem.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the Rams secondary has been so strong throughout the year that even if the Seahawks wanted to pass, it seems... Like, it would be tough for them to do it effectively. And they haven't been effective for, what, like three months now? Um, regrettably played some of their passing game last week. Um, but, yeah, What I mean, Wolford had six carries last game. Like, you could see that tick up a little bit. 80 yards seems like it's probably out of the question. Um, but you could see 30, 40 yards there. And if he happens to convert a Russian touchdown, throws a touchdown – I mean, that's that's probably what you're looking for from a ceiling game like gets to 20 but that's what are what are our 90th percentile projections have him at right now let me see that yeah 22 points that seems like a fair like pure ceiling game from him
1: yeah Um. the the play I actually like the most from this game is acres Cause he came back with uh, he came back from that ankle injury and they were just like, we're done with this Malcolm Brown stuff. Like, like no more, no more of this Malcolm Brown stuff, like acres, even, uh, even, you know, 80% healthy cam acres. They were just like, all right, like let's ride dude. And so I, I think uh, acres is going to be the guy that I invest the most at, at running back in, the Saturday three gamer and maybe even, maybe even the six gamer. Like I'm, I'm not really enthused about playing my guy, Ronald Jones, um, just cause they never give him the passing down work. Like if you asked me the running back on the Saturday slate, most likely to score twice. I, I think it's, well, do you think it's acres or do you think it's Carson? Um,
0: I think it's probably, I think it's probably Carson, uh, or Ronald Jones, I think potentially Be- because, i do think ronald jones is going to get that work and you know yeah like the the bills and the bucks are the team that are going to get the most red zone opportunities and so yeah jones or carson i think would be the two guys i think had the multi touchdown upside
1: yeah um okay on the seattle side are we just are we just jamming locket because we have metcalf being covered by by jalen ramsey I
0: thought you weren't you weren't worried about cornerbacks, bro. That's your whole shtick for the past like month and now I mean, you're I'm playing I'm
1: playing DK Metcalf at, at whatever, you know, five percent owned in these con- <laughs> like I mean a guy with DK Metcalf ceiling has got to be owned, Jalen Ramsey or not. The the gal brain, though is well Lockett has actually done really well against the Rams in the two games they've played. So do they do they switch cornerback matchups no. and they put Ramsey on Lockett? No, no they, I good. mean they do probably just keep Ramsey on Metcalf. You what? What you're hoping if you play Metcalf is that he scores twice? That it you know probably doesn't rack up the yards because the Seahawks don't throw into those difficult wide receiver cornerback matchups that much, but they will go to Metcalf in the red zone. I think regardless.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing here is just trying to figure out what the field's going to do and. If the field's just going to run projections through an optimizer and just play guys that get spit out, then I don't think I'm quite as interested in Metcalf, and I'd rather play Lockett, like priced similarly, projected similarly, and then that's where I would kind of layer a slightly easier cornerback matchup in. But if the field's going to overreact to it and they're going to steer all the way towards Lockett, um, then I'd happily, you know, try to get. There's very few guys that could break the slate um, that you can get a five percent on a three gamer. So. I think Metcalf only if the field is going to go heavily against that, that's where I'd be interested.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. Anything else from this game? I mean, maybe, maybe Higby and Everett are the, are the tight end plays here. Cause we would, we would think probably that, uh, that Gronk and Logan Thomas end up being the big Saturday chalk, right. You know, like probably about 40% of the ownership in single entry and three max goes to those two guys.
0: Yeah, I, I would, I would, yeah i would think so maybe it's like a very small percent to yeah because in indy you've got three guys that are eating up ownership and then buffalo like maybe a small percent to Dawson Knox. but i definitely think those guys and yeah higby seems like potentially one of the better values at the quarterback situation is so dicey but it, it is a good spot for the pass catchers if they had like a competent quarterback play
1: yeah um all right tampa bay washington this is the do you think Buffalo Stacks or Tampa Bay Stacks will be more popular than the three-gamer on Saturday? I think it'll be Buffalo for sure.
0: Um, I mean, Josh Allen's got the highest ceiling, and that'll kind of start the stacking. Steph Diggs, uh, obviously the highest overall. Buck Stacks will become more popular if Evans was to be out, but the fact that it's more diverse targetry, I think also brings down the stack ownership a little bit. So I do think in general the Bucks are going to be the second highest owned passing game on the slate
1: yeah i think that seems fair do you have a a big preference between evans godwin ab just uh you know dollars per point ownership whatever i i'm always godwin i'm always team godwin but uh you know evans evans is the three touchdown guy
0: yeah he definitely is and like yeah the cop out is like evans fan duel but at the end of the day it's the short slate you're gonna need whoever puts up the most points even if it's not touchdowns um I know right now we're projecting Evans in, we're projecting him close to his normal workload. I would probably end up scaling that back a little bit when I go through and run things and we'll see where we have things when we finalize it, you know, Friday and Saturday. But I think I'd be looking to play Evans as kind of the wider receiver three from a target perspective, probably have Godwin AB slightly ahead on targets. He'd still pop in a little bit on touchdowns, but I think those would be the guys to be most interested in stacking in like the PPR format.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm with you
0: there. Ronald Jones. I mean, you gotta be like, I was surprised you, you weren't on Ronald Jones as the two touchdown guy.
1: I don't, I just like the, the, the weird fascination with Fournette, like really tilts me uh, like Fournette still played 45% of the snaps last week. Now, if Fournette is a healthy scratch, like if it's Keyshawn Vaughn, LaShawn McCoy and Ronald Jones, like I am all in, I, I probably lock Ronald Jones in showdown. I probably do a bunch of swapping to get Ronald Jones, like into the flex in my one fifty run and everything. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't think Keyshawn and- Vaughn's going to touch the ball. Like, I mean, Shady was inactive. Keyshawn Vaughn didn't touch the ball last week out of the backfield. And um, I think Fortnite can play enough in the passing game. So, like, yeah, I, I, I think Ronald Jones is, like, a 60% of the carries guy. Whatever Brady has some QB sneak equity and whatnot, he'll, he'll take up some scraps. And Fortnite will definitely get 25 30%. But it does feel like Ronald Jones is going to get, like, 12 to 16 carries in this game.
1: Yeah. I mean, and if he gets a hundred yard bonus, like I, like if Ronald Jones has a 44 yard touchdown run in this game and then adds, you know, 15 other carries on top of that, like, yeah, he probably ends up being in every optimal line. If it's just like, I, and, and also the other thing is, is they don't run around the goal line that much. Like they just throw it to Mike Evans, like a huge chunk of their red zone offense does go to Mike Evans. So maybe you could argue um you know evan's uh bum knee should you know positively influence ronald jones's projection but like i'm just sitting here looking at acres and just being like man i i feel so much more confident that acres is going to get 20 plus touches whereas like ronald jones could be 14 carries two targets i mean he didn't even get targeted last week Ronald jones
0: yeah definitely and that, i mean that's definitely the risk i just think from like the touchdown perspective the access to the to the higher total. Um, and yeah, I mean, acres feels like the workload is for sure more secure and you, the Rams do run the ball a ton in, inside the red zone. So that's a benefit there, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I like it. It feels like this week, there's not, at least the Saturday slate, there's not elite running back plays. You're, you're possibly looking at like a two running back build instead of a three running back build.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm wanting to do like, my guess is an MME. I will probably just do all four wide receiver. I, I think yeah well, yeah
0: I mean we we like almost I feel like we almost talked about this game
1: without <laughs> talking about the football team <laughs> at all um I mean Logan Thomas is the jam I don't I don't want to play Gibson McKissick or McLaurin really to be honest yeah. I, I
0: mean I think McKissick is definitely in play on DK just the yeah. the target volume with Alex Smith throughout the course of the season has has been pretty insane and definitely a big splits compared to when Dwayne Haskins was in there so um, I think we saw that, you know, again, last week, he tied Terry McLaurin for the target lead and what a game where their playoff life was on the line. And I think that's probably what you see again this week. So, uh, especially since they should be behind in, uh, the bucks have a, a pretty legit D I do think McKissick is in play on DK.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Do we have anything else on the Saturday slate that we need to discuss?
0: No, not really. I mean, these three game slates in general, uh, well, on the premium pile we'll kind of go into that in some more detail, but there's a lot of strategy wrinkles, projected ownership constraints, leaving some money on the table that you can do to differentiate things. Maybe, um, yeah, at least trying to mix in one low-owned guy into lineups and uh, that type of stuff, I think, on a three-game slate is one of the ways you can get leverage.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move to the yeah. Sunday three-gamer, Baltimore at Tennessee, uh, Chicago at New Orleans, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. We are waiting to hear – If Alvin Kamara is back for sure Uh, we are projecting Michael Thomas back in for the new Orleans saints. Um, There's some slight possibility that he would not be active. I I think it is unlikely. Uh, We are waiting to hear. Well, wait, are we waiting to hear any COVID news for Cleveland? Or is it, is it, I mean, they have not opened their facility back up as of the time you and I are recording this, which um, to be honest with you does not seem great, but I, I think Uh, they should have everyone active that's normally active on their offense, except for Kaderil Hodge.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think that's going to be the case. It's just, obviously, you're not, we're not waiting on news. Um, Hodge will be out, uh, but we wouldn't be shocked if we do get news. I think that's the big differentiator. So yeah, I don't know this Baltimore, Tennessee game. And let me tell you last week was one of the more frustrating weeks. Uh, Got a a lot right. And one of the biggest things that you couldn't win a slate without was JK Dobbins. And mark ingram was back last week dobbins ended up seeing a reduced role uh you know smaller share of the team's carries but he absolutely smashed and we had been on him like the past three or four weeks especially with ingram inactive when it was you know a situation we we had talked basically like he needed to get 100 plus and two touchdowns and yeah he absolutely smashed uh, along with derrick henry jonathan taylor so i don't know i i'm a little like cautious it feels like the Ravens are going to be able to run the ball. They're definitely going to run the ball effectively, but I feel like all of these backs are kind of capped between like eight and 12 carries. Now that it seems like they're going to use the three running back rotation heading into the playoffs.
1: Which you, you do not love to see. Uh, let me, let me ask you this question that um, absolutely put my brain in a wrinkle in, in this full cast. Do you think that Lamar and Derek Henry are positively or negatively correlated? So I think that they're negatively correlated. That's what I thought too at first, but then There's if Derek, be- if so, they're they're negatively correlated. If the Ravens get ahead, I think right because if the Ravens if the Ravens get ahead, Henry is not going to access to his ceiling game. But if the Titans are up fourteen zero, Lamar is going to lose his mind because they'll have to play faster. I mean, Lamar last year in this game when the Ravens lost he had like 45 fantasy points. He had the 300 yard bonus and the hundred yard bonus. Um, I think he, I think he had three touchdowns as well. Like it was his, it was one of his best fantasy games of the year. So that's how I think you could argue they're positively correlated.
0: Yeah. I think it's funny. Cause you look at like the old school stacking matrix and it's like QB and opposing RB is a slight positive correlation, but running back and opposing running back is slight negative. So if you want to give Lamar that the half, half QB, half RB treatment, then it would be like a small positive correlation. But Derrick Henry is so unique in in its own way too. Like, even if the Ravens get behind, I don't, they're going to run more plays. They're going to play faster, but I don't think they're going to be throwing the ball 50 times. Like they're still going to run the same offense, just do it at a faster pace. And maybe they throw a little bit more, but I don't think this is going to be a situation where Tennessee is absolutely blowing out Baltimore and they have to drop back the entire second half. So um, I don't think you'd necessarily have to avoid it in in this specific situation
1: yeah i i don't think he would either though obviously i think that aj brown and corey davis are um you know a, a little bit more uh you know a little bit more positively so correlated
0: i i do really more? like this
1: yeah i think i think you are for a couple reasons first is marquise brown has like seven touchdowns over his last six games they, they finally started targeting him in the red um, zone yeah. But then also I think that I think that the Titans defense is so bad that, um, you know, we are like, there is some crazy ceiling for this game from a fantasy perspective. I mean, we could see like nine total touchdowns in this game or something, which, uh, is, is pretty appealing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other crazy thing is the past like four to six weeks, it's been 65% of the team's targets that are going to Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews. So it has become an extremely condensed offense. Um, I guess we don't know if Willie Sneed will be back for this game. Uh, I don't know if do you have any info there, but um, I, I still, regardless, I think like almost all of the passing volume, even if it's a low passing volume, is going to Brown or Andrews.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like uh, it's like 21 passes a game, but at least it's going to them and not to uh you know Des Bryant or yeah. uh, Devin, Heart, Devin. Hardest thing I feel like or for whoever.
0: Yeah, the projections is is funny because like I mean, you look at things over the past four weeks or whatever for Tennessee the past eight weeks, the, the, the whole season and these other backs do touch the ball. Like Darrington Evans does get on the field, but when like push comes to shove in the playoffs, we're on the line, nobody else except for Derrick Henry touched the ball. So like when we're doing projections, you know, we've got a sprinkle going to these other backs, but I feel like there's a scenario where Derrick Henry gets 90% of the team's carries.
1: Uh, Yeah. I think, I think that's a, uh, I mean, I would I would not be surprised if they got out of this game with no other running back touching the ball, yeah. just Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah. And like four um,
0: Tannehill carries or whatever.
1: Yeah, or I yeah, I mean I think that he I think that he does look like just a uh, an absolute smash. Um, probably probably a lot candidate in MME. I think, especially if um we don't have any like real clarity on the Saints running back stuff. But like you know David Montgomery against the Saints. James Connor, like, you know, just no, no one else on this slate really leaps out of me.
0: What about, what about, um, non Lamar quarterbacks? Like, are you considering jamming Lamar to the same extent you're
1: jamming Josh Allen? Um, no, because, oh man. Okay. So put, put ready to old takes expose me here. Isn't, <laughs> isn't Trubisky kind of interesting in this slate? He, I mean he like runs a little bit. He's cheap. His stack options are very obvious. There's literally two stack options, right? It's, it's uh Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. I mean, maybe Jimmy Graham, if uh, our boy Cole Komet doesn't suit up, but I, I am a little bit interested.
0: Yeah. I am, I'm, I'm not super interested. I feel like the Lamar ceiling is just so massive, but I guess if you're not playing Lamar um, the one thing I was going to ask, it feels almost impossible that the Ravens offense fails entirely. Like they've been on such a good run, they have a massive team total. Titans are atrocious defensively, and so even if they're playing catch up, like they're going to generate fantasy points. So, if you're not playing Lamar on a team, like would you consider forcing in one of the Ravens running backs, or would you bank on yes. the game yes. failing? Yes, hundred
1: percent. Yeah, I think I think Dobbins and and Dobbins, Dobbins on DraftKings, uh, Edwards on FanDuel. Obviously, leave <laughs> your leave yourself the outs there. But yeah, I mean, I mean, those are. I think, especially for what we have, um, you know, ownership wise for those guys, we have, we have Dobbins projected pretty low and then, you know, non-existent ownership for Edwards, but, you know, either one of those guys could, could just lose their minds. Right. You know, I like hundred yards and a touchdown for either one of them really would not be that yeah. surprising. Or just I don't like, think. or
0: just picking up the touchdown variance, right. You pick up the, the two touchdowns or whatever, even if it's only like the Gus Edwards <laughs> game, right. Like 30 yards rushing, two touchdowns trolls, the entire offense.
1: You don't, you do not love to see that. Yeah. You, yeah. no one, no one, no one actually wants that. The um,
0: thing I was going to add just for the tight ends, I do think there is a big negative correlation between Derek Henry and Jenna Smith. So that's something yes. I, yeah. I bake into lineups a little bit. Um, either negative boost those two in the optimizer or exclude them in a hand build because John is basically only getting there on touchdown variance this season.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right moving to our next game i this is where we capitalize on my bad take the chicago bears at the new orleans saints like i just am so tired of watching breeze like short arm you know six yard passes and trubisky is not good but the things that he does well at an nfl level do translate to fantasy points like he scrambles a little bit uh he's like willing to take chances they are obviously going to be you know they are going to be down in this game right like the this the Line suggests they're going to be down quite a bit, so there's just not going to be as much time to establish the Montgomery. Like I, I do think Trubisky is pretty interesting here.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, the other the other thing is just I guess the knock against Breeze is just that Taysom Hill is pretty legitimately a goal line vulture at this point, and yeah, I don't think that's necessarily going away. A little bit with Camara back, but um, taking some of those QB reps too. But um, yeah, I don't know. It'll it'll be like with Breeze, you're just hoping that like Kamara is back or that Michael Thomas is able to kind of drag him through the finish line.
1: Yeah, I am uh, I'm with you on that. Or right, so as far as the Saints offense goes, obviously if Alvin Kamara doesn't play, Latavius Murray is a, a lock, is a, a lock. yeah, he's a lock button, but
0: I can't believe they priced him the way they did knowing that this was like a very possible scenario.
1: So, let's say Kamara doesn't test you know all negative tests all week he's back on Sunday it, regardless of what happens he's not going to be allowed to practice what are we what are we doing with Alvin Kamara
0: so I mean I thought you're going to go what are we doing with Latavius because I think Latavius is still in play in that scenario and that's where the price becomes somewhat interesting is like he is priced like a backup running back and I do think he can kind of get there in the same way Gus Edwards can get there, especially if his role is potentially a little bit bigger. Um, I would probably lean on projecting Kamara pretty close to full go. Uh, I would hope that we picked up some tidbits on as far as how he's feeling. I don't think missing practice is really an issue for him, especially given his role and how familiar he is in the offense. And I don't think it's the same thing as some of these like third or fourth string wide receivers coming back who don't have to be part of the game plan feels like they would probably use them especially against the bears because like the bears strength is in the secondary
1: that yeah so so that's that's definitely true and that's one of the things that is like giving me pause about um you know michael thomas and jared cook and manny sanders these secondary options like i mean the saints have a, a really high team total relative to what you know a normal playoff game would be it's a secondized team total of this slate but like I just feel like it's, I just feel like they're not going to be able to score that many points. Like I, I just feel, I just feel like this breeze offense is not set up to generate points that way. You know, he just, he just has a hard time throwing a ball, but I mean, you know, they put up what 33 against Carolina last week. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. Like I, I thought their total would be closer to like 24 to 26, than 29 or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I think pieces like, individual pieces i think are fine but i'm probably not looking to stack the saints in this spot
1: yeah um all right anything else from this game
0: i mean david montgomery right he's he's getting all he's the a, work he's
1: an alpha yeah
0: so i think even if they're even if they're behind he's he's involved um and i think he's probably the, like latavius obviously derrick henry but Like he's probably the RB2, I guess, on the slate overall from like a safety perspective.
1: Uh yeah, yeah, from a safety perspective, but that doesn't mean that I'm that interested in playing him in tournaments, you know. So yeah, the example,
0: I mean, David Montgomery, you're basically deciding between him and J.K. Dobbins. And Montgomery is gonna be three times zoned, but obviously his workload is much more secure. Dobbins could touch the ball 12 times and not get any of the red zone work. So you could be looking at like a five fantasy point performance. Whereas I think Montgomery, like you're probably looking at twelve at a minimum, but um the the range of outcomes is certainly wider with Dobbins.
1: Uh yes, that so that's definitely true. Uh I don't like just doesn't it just feel though like Dobbins is just a better play though? Like I feel like he, even though Mon- I mean Montgomery ceiling is probably higher. I his ceiling is a hundred percent higher yeah. because if the Bears win, Montgomery can get 30, you know yeah. Yeah. and Dobbins probably gets Dobbins literally only gets 30 if he breaks off multiple 20 yeah, plus yard, yard runs yeah. or whatever yeah um all right so our, our final game here of the podcast a game I honestly don't even want to watch the Cleveland Browns without their head coach playing at the Pittsburgh Steelers like what well, I mean this game just seems terrible to me um like it's gonna head be bad just matter Davis i think stefanski matters yeah it yeah. seems like it seems like he's a very good coach um and the browns are not going to be able to put in in-person practices or at least have not yet put in in-person practices that's it's been all virtual so you know that that does not seem uh particularly great i mean, it, it seems like a mess for the browns making their first playoff game in what 20 years or whatever
0: yeah it, it definitely does it's a it's a weird one and then like who's laid more eggs over the past six weeks in the pittsburgh steelers so like how good do you feel about Pittsburgh, even though on paper, it seems like it's like they're catching a team that is not preparing in an optimal way for the playoff game.
1: Uh, yeah, wait, 100%. So before this COVID stuff, the Browns were kind of like a popular, like upset pick, but I don't know. I just think the Steelers just handle business now. Like it's I not going to be pretty, like a
0: sneaky upset pick because, like Carter Hodge isn't like, he's whatever. Like if that's all they're missing offensively, then you're talking about the coaching stuff. But like, even if Stefanski's not there in game day, it's not like he's not going to be involved throughout the entire week preparing, like developing the game plan, you know, scripting like the first couple offensive series and all that stuff. So it's really the in-game stuff that you'd be missing a little bit. I don't know. I'm not excited about stacking the Steelers. I'm definitely picking off one-off pieces of their passing attack. I think, one of the hard things, you know, over the past six weeks, they've been doing a lot of r- deeper rotations at wide receivers and randomly benching Deontay Johnson for dropping the ball feels like with the playoffs, like those three guys are just going to play, you know, the vast majority of the work.
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you for sure. I guess the reason why this game doesn't seem that interesting to me from a, from a fantasy perspective is if the Browns win, do they, like, let's say the Browns win. That doesn't really, to me, create a scenario where, like, the DFS landscape is, is changed all that much. I guess it probably means Chubb had a good game. Like
0: we've got him projected for half the ownership of Dave Montgomery right now. Um, so I think that's, that is interesting, right? Like, if the Browns win, they're running the ball, right?
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, they're running the ball a lot.
0: And then if Fun. they lose, I feel like Hunt's price is down, right? Like forty eight hundred. Um, he gets some of the red zone work. He definitely gets some passing game work as well. So, um, I, honestly, I'd probably prefer Hunt slightly. Um,
1: yeah, I, I slightly price. prefer Hunt too. Do you do you uh, do you want to tout any of the Steelers wide receivers?
0: I, I, yeah, I mean I tout all three of them, right? Like they're they're definitely. I don't want to stack Big Ben, but I definitely think it's going to end up being pretty heavily concentrated between those guys i think juju probably the the safest um but i do expect to see claypool used heavily and i think he's got a lot of upside
1: yeah so, i mean go, I, cash I,
0: games juju tournaments i think claypool is a really good one-off what do
1: you what do you out. think about the rule for 150 just men one Steelers wide receiver
0: i was thinking about that and i like stopped myself from touting it it's too early in the week for me to like fully go on board there but i do think it's it's got potential
1: Yeah, I mean, I I will be using that rule on Sunday, I imagine. Um, All right, so that is our our overview, our game-by-game discussion of the Saturday and the sunday slates Uh, obviously we'll have more information and more in-depth conversation on the daily roto premium nfl daily fantasy podcast that we will record tomorrow and then do we have showdown stuff planned for saturday and sunday as well colin
0: probably just a heavy alert for the showdown slates for saturday and sunday not a full write-up uh want to see what the contest sizes are like there i would expect they're both so if we see decently big uh, nighttime contests for both of those games
1: Yep. Um, All right, everyone, definitely make sure to go to dailyroto.com, subscribe, get access to the tools, get access to the projections. Are we running any promotions right now, Colin?
0: No, man, it's it's January. If people are looking for a a tout site, they've probably already signed up, so you got to pay full price (laughs)
1: otherwise. (laughs) All right, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.